John Solomon, who is an investigative reporter, extraordinaire, founder of uh, The Hill, someone I greatly admire and glad to have him on the show, I believe, for the first time. John, thank you so much for being on with us here, C.L. Bryant Show. It's good to be with you, C.L. Yeah, I appreciate it. John, could you tell us, uh, first of all, uh, about the genesis of this book, Fallout? Absolutely. Yeah, so we wanted to take go back and take a look at exactly how it was that uh, we, we ended up with a succession of scandals that started with Uranium One, and then the Russia scandal, the Russia collusion bogus scandal, then impeachment, and we, we started to trace back. And what we figured out is that the origins of all of those scandals, all originated by, by Democrats, um, really goes back to 2009 when President Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden made a decision to quote-unquote reboot our relationship with Russia. And they gave a lot of weight to the Russians, thinking that we can win them over by giving, giving giveaways. We'll give them billions of dollars of utility contracts to make American utilities reliant on Russian uranium. We'll give them 20% of the uranium under the core of our Earth that used to be mined by Americans. We'll, we'll allow that to be sold off to them. And, and that went along fine. The Russians got an awful lot of things. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton got some nice things. Bill Clinton got a $500,000 payday in Moscow one day. Uh, lots of consultants got rich. The Clinton Foundation got lots of donations. And then all of a sudden, the Russians, after they had built a monopoly of uranium around the world, they had a corner on the uranium market because of the giveaways that the Obama administration had. They pulled the rug out from under Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden and said, <laughs> we got what we wanted, and now we're going to be the bad boys we always were. And they went in, they invaded Crimea and Ukraine. And the Obama administration, Clinton, thinking about her chances of running in 20. 16 and joe biden also with political aspirations had to neutralize this russia issue had to neutralize this extraordinary failure that they had made in foreign policy basically they self-funded giving russia a leg up made russia stronger at american expense and so that gave rise to the research project that was christopher Steele. christopher Steele walks his research project into the fbi that gave rise to the uh, uh the uh, russia collusion false scandal and then when that was falling apart, the Russians pivoted because yours truly, I myself, I wrote the story about Joe Biden and his Ukraine problems, and they wanted to neutralize that. So they started an impeachment proceeding. And that's how we go from 2009 to 2019 with the sort of these uh, cascading set of scandals, all designed to kind of cover up or hide a foreign policy failure by the Obama-Biden-Clinton uh, team. And so yeah. the book goes through methodically. How that happens. And, you know, John, uh, when we look at the course of human events, I, I think you would be uh, the, the right person to speak to this. Let us look at this uh, retrospectively, Hillary Clinton winning the White House and the course of human events turning out as they are. Can you give America a glimpse of what this might look like? under a different administration? What then would be America's outlook at this point? Talk to us about that. Well, listen, I, listen, I think what, what the Obama foreign policy turned out to be, you know, at the time it started, people didn't know what it would be. But at the end, it was a policy of appeasement, right? We'll give the Russians what they want, they'll leave us alone. We'll give Iranians lots of billions of dollars and give them a nuclear deal and they'll, they'll leave us alone. And so... The policy of appeasement probably would have continued to occur. The policy of apologizing for being America and uniquely American would have continued. And 
America's standing in the world would probably be weaker today than it was four years ago. Why is that? We look and, and see what state uh, the Obama administration left Iraq in. They failed to counter ISIS, and Iraq became uh, a completely destroyed nation state. It had no security, no stability, no economy. Donald Trump has gone in over the last four years, and, and that, that, that state emboldened Iran to get more and more aggressive. So Iranians are attacking Americans on Iraqi soil. And uh, Donald Trump comes in, and what does he do? He does the opposite of what Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden did. He starts cracking down on ISIS, pushes them back into a little tiny corner of Iraq. And then when the Iranians start meddling with us, he whacks their biggest general, General Soleimani, and tells the Iraqis, this is a new sheriff in town. You attack our boys, you're going to pay a dear price. And now the Iranians are ratcheted back. So... Iran would be a mess today. The world would still be looking for more and more concessions from the United States. And I think that's the difference between a Trump and a Clinton presidency. The policy of appeasement would have continued as opposed to have have been brought to an end. Are we indeed looking at then a reordering, a redefinition? Has the fundamental change uh, agenda of the progressive liberals, uh, do Americans realize that has not been altered? That has not gone away. Is that still a part of their agenda to fundamentally change our nation? John Solomon. Uh, I think so, yes. I mean, listen, it's always been their agenda. Going back to the days of Saul Alinsky, they have a slightly different view uh, of of what America uh, should and could be, and we, you know, uh, conservatives uh, view the American foreign policy through the lens of what's in our American interest. Every president from Eisenhower forward had always defined foreign policy by defining the American interest first. And in the globalist view of, of the of the liberal wing of the Democratic Party today, it's no longer what's America's interest; it's what's the global interest at the moment. And of course, one of the problems with that is that. Global interests wane and, and wax in different ways. The American interest always stays firm. We're, we're about democracy, freedom, liberty. You see a struggle today inside of America to now impose upon a free American society all sorts of constraints that were in, um, unthinkable two decades ago. Uh, Bill Clinton would, have ex- would not have accepted some of the constraints that Democrats today are trying to impose in America. And I think that the, the, the difference is in a globalist agenda, the American identity, the American success story, the American interest is subservient to a, a larger global interest. And, and that is the struggle that, that has played out over the last 10 or 20 years. The liberals have gotten stronger in this sense. They have a whole new generation of young millennials who grew up in colleges indoctrinated to think this way. That it's not, uh, it's not the American interest, it's the global interest that you should be focused on. And as a result, that's why we have this incredible struggle inside of America today, whether it's over the pandemic or over China or over um, racial injustice or relations between police and minority communities. There is just two very different lenses. And the liberal lens, which was defined in the 60s, but now far more widespreadly, uh, far more widespread and far more widely accepted is more predominant, more strong than it's been in, in, in my lifetime. Absolutely. And, you know, John, I know that you are editor-in-chief of Just the News. And the event that has occurred now with George Floyd uh, and his death, we have gotten way away from the news. There has to be outlets like yours, uh, Just the News, to bring us. Do you see that type of platform beginning to explode as we need uh, other sources of 
than what we see on Fox, CNN, and what have you. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we've been very, very fortunate. Uh, we're only three, four months old now. In our third full month, uh, we had more than 10 million readers already. So we've seen a resounding embrace of news, which is without a point of view. We don't preach. Uh, we don't try to indoctrinate with our news. We don't have an opinion page. There's no op-eds allowed on just the news. We just write straight, factual news stories that most of our news colleagues today are either ignoring or not writing with a neutral voice. We, we value our neutral voice. We value our... Uh, uh, commitment to facts, and we also have a tool on the site that we, is our commitment to the readers, which is you don't have to take our word for the story. We have a little tool called Diggin, and everything that supports our story, the documents, the audio, the video, uh, the uh, links of historical information, all there for you to see, and, and we want you to make up your own mind. We're not trying to make up your mind for you. And so far, you know, three to four months in, we've seen millions upon millions upon millions of people embrace our approach to news, which is really a, uh, a back-to-the-future strategy. You know, 20, 30 years ago, most reporters uh, weren't allowed to have an opinion. They didn't get to go on Twitter and uh, opine about their thoughts. They didn't go to march and protest like Axios reporters are now allowed to do. We sat and we tried to give as neutral a presentation of the facts and as fair a presentation of the facts as we could. That era has frayed and gone away. Very few people practice it, and so we've entered into going back to that standard but having a modern delivery system of podcasts and YouTube and other things. So we reach people through modern channels, but we give them old-fashioned journalism. You know, uh, that is the American way. Present it the way you see it and let the others decide. That was once the way it was in this country as you stated. John, uh, when we look at this um, thing uh, that the Democrats and the, well, progressives have turned into a farce, and they are the only ones I know that can turn a tragedy into a farce. And um, this George uh, Floyd thing has become uh, something, I think, of a visual, a white man killing a black man. But I don't think this is something about a black life. Uh, I, I have said that, and I, it has, it, I said it on, on, on our good friend Sean's uh, show the other, the other day. And it, I don't see this being about black lives mattering at all. I see this about an agenda. Is there something built into what the uh, progressives have made of this uh, tragedy? Listen, I think if people were to look factually at the Minneapolis Police Department. It has had a record of strife and problems that far predate uh, the horrible events that led to George Floyd's death. And let's go back just a couple of years ago. There were no protests. There were no burning of buildings. There were no national or global movement. There were no Black Lives Matters out. There were no liberal protesters out. But two years ago, a black Minneapolis police officer shot and killed a white a young woman who came to the window of the door after calling for help, uh, just shot her right through the side of the window without even uh, asking her to stop. Uh, she was shot dead. She was from Australia, and she was about to get married here and to the love of her life in America. Same sort of problems. A overly uh, a, a, a hyperactive officer shooting, not following his training, not uh, doing a good job, not uh, trying to identify the threat before neutralizing the threat, and yet there weren't any of the protests, but all of the same problems. Listen, in every police department in America, there are lots of great cops and there's always a few bad apples. And, and, and so in both cases, at least to this point, 
There's been no evidence that the reason why the officer knelt uh, uh, unmercifully on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and killed him uh, has not been established that it was race at all. It, it, it has been established. He didn't follow his training. It has been established. He did a bad job and a bad thing, and he's going to pay for the rest of his life in prison for it. But I think that the this wasn't, at least on the evidence we have now in public, it wasn't a racial incident per se, nor was the episode uh, two years earlier. What it is is a police department in strife that has not trained its officers right, who have not picked the right officers, and as a result, tragic deaths have occurred that we should all be ashamed of and that we should all be worried about. But this hasn't been a racial uh, episode, at least based on the evidence, in fact, and facts that are out there now. John, now, hold on for me just a second. Hold on for me through the break. Really be important. right back. Oh, I'm sorry. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always in the heaven hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day throughout the USA and around the globe over Red State, Red State Talk Platform, the largest talk platform in the nation. And of course, we're listening to a whole lot by a lot of folks and uh, be sure to look up above the iconic um, Ripley's Believe It or Not there in Times Square there you will see the Red State Talk billboard and every hour 24 hours a day the C.L. Bryant show does pop up there and old C.L.'s face looking right back at you there in Times Square. I want to thank all of you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation right here throughout our nation on the C.L. Bryant show Show daily, 12.05 until 2 p.m. Download free the C.L. Bryant Show app if you don't get both hours on uh, replay in terrestrial. My special guest uh, here for the next couple of minutes will be John Solomon. John Solomon, investigative reporter extraordinaire. And I must tell you this, folks. He doesn't pull punches, but he gives it. You talk about fair and balanced. That's exactly what he's wanting uh, to do with what he's got going on. Just the news. And I encourage you all to go there. Just the news dot com. John, when we left, uh, we were talking about this um, thing that has turned into a farce. We know that there's bad uh, preachers, bad um, teachers, bad cops. There's bad people in the world. It's the state of humanity, unfortunately. Uh, you can't legislate that uh, morality or any of that type thing. If you could, Cain would not have killed Abel and the Ten Commandments would have been um, very effective uh, on us throughout the centuries. 
Where do you see us, John? Uh, are we going to be able to avoid a totalitarian state here? Or are we beginning to descend toward that type of thing? Speak to that. I have a, I've always had a great optimism in the American spirit in that when the pendulum of America swings too far to the right or to the left, gravity always brings us back. The gravity of democracy always brings us back. And I think there's a lot of things to have that have to happen over the next few months, next few years, to heal the wounds that are obvious when you see these protests. The people who are protesting have obvious grievances. They have obvious pains that they're trying to resolve. But we don't do it through violence. We don't do it through... Uh, restricting our rights. We do it through dialogue and action. And I think that what we need are leaders to step into the void and give us the sort of uh, solutions that are, are needed for the city. There are very simple things we can do to solve the issues that came up in the George Floyd case or in many other police cases before. And I think that we need a bipartisan effort in Congress led by our president to get smart things done, which are being discussed. The president's unveiling his plans Democrats have put theirs on the table, and somewhere there's a bipartisan agreement that will make this situation better so that law enforcement officials and the communities they protect can work together without doing silly things like defund the police department or, or uh, create you know, uh, chaos in America. Absolutely. John Salmon, tell us once again how to get a hold of your latest work, Fallout, and how we can get a hold of you if we want you to come to a church, synagogue, or a mosque, or wherever you might want to show up oh, near you- us. You are so kind. So, yeah, so first, uh, the book goes on. It's on sale on Amazon now. It goes live July 14th, so it'll be out in a couple of months. We're very actually just over a month now. Uh, and then everyone can follow me on J. Solomon Reports at Twitter. And then you can also reach me at justthedews.com. And so if, uh, if people are looking for our news or looking for us to talk, you can always reach me at those locations. And uh, I'm really grateful for the, the time you've given to talk about the book and all the other amazing things going on in our country right now. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on with me. I certainly hope you'll allow us to talk to you again. God bless you and keep you. Fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are fighting the good fight. John Solomon, thank you for being on with me. Talk to you Thank soon. you, sir. You betcha.